The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. There was one guy that said, like, Athen, how do I join your cult? There's many different answers I can give to this question. The first one of all is, you cannot join my cult. I would actually say that when it comes down to my way of looking at life, it's actually very damn hard to join what I think. Because the core principle of what I believe is to think for yourself and to find the answers yourself. So if you want to join my cult, the first thing you got to do is start wondering, finding the answers yourself. I don't give prefabricated answers to what you should believe. Because I build on the understanding of reality. That's it. And as far as I know, everything is probabilistic. So I don't know what is absolute and what isn't. So joining my cult is very hard. Because it requires you to follow a leader. It requires you to not think for yourself. It requires to give away your control. But everything I preach is to get control. To understand the world. To question even what I say. To use your understanding of the truth. And be unbiased about it. So joining my cult is very hard. Because what I preach is to think for yourself. First of all. Secondly. If you want to talk about joining a cult. And you look at the properties. You see that society is much closer to what a cult is. Than what I'm doing. Because society. As much as you want to believe it or not. Tells you what is important. Happiness. Consuming shit you don't need. You gotta fit in. And buy shit you don't need. Fashion. Or whatever. When you look at society, the way it works, you might say, like, yeah, but society is free. Is that the case? Are you really free? If you don't have money, in some countries, you just die because you don't even have health care. You say, like, yeah, but it's normal that you need money. Is that the trick? So you don't have human rights until you work for money? That doesn't sound so much like free to me. So you're free when you have money, but when you don't have money, you're not free? It doesn't sound like freedom to me. When you think about the concepts of equality and freedom and all these things, these are just very simple labels that are added towards certain narratives to sell you shit in this consumption society we live in. Are you really free? Are you really free to do what you want to do? Like seriously, you guys know that's not true. If you want to start flying with your hands, you can't do that. You're only free to the extent that reality allows you to be free. The idea of freedom doesn't make so much sense. What if your freedom goes at the cost of someone else? What about that? And the reason why I'm talking about freedom is because when you talk about cults, right? Freedom is a big component. If you're truly free to do whatever you want, then it's not a cult, right? Well, we have this illusion that we are truly free, but it's not the case. We are limited by the framework that reality provides. And being able to see that and see through these empty labels that are just there to make something look more emotionally attractive. So you go into your pocket and pay away your life. That's really what you do. When you get persuaded to buy something you don't need, you're not spending money. You're spending your life, part of your life. The time you had to go and work instead of living it to its fullest. You trade it in. That sounds way more culty to me than me preaching to think for yourself. You know, in Scientology, right, there's that little device they got 
for people that don't know about Scientology, it's really interesting to look into it. They have that little divide to check your whatever taken or whatever level and to take away your demons. And you got to pay a lot of money to level up in Scientology. And basically, it measures it. And people really believe it. They believe like, yeah, I need to do this. I need to grow in my spirit or taken or whatever the fuck. Either way, you would say like, these guys are in a cult. They pay so much money to Scientology for this device. It's a lie. But the thing is though, why? Because they don't need it. But what if they feel much better after doing it? Yeah, but it's a lie. It's not true. Same shit for you guys. For many of you guys. How often did you spend money for shit you didn't need? And then afterwards we're like, how many games you guys have on Steam you've never played? You just buy them to collect them all. And when you think about it, we have such an easy time judging other people, right? But when it comes down to ourselves, little do we know that we're all humans and have these limitations and basically get taken advantage of without knowing. The only difference is Scientology doesn't do as good of a job as society. Society is more sneaky. But we all live in a collective bubble, intersubjective collective bubble. And I'm not going to diss it, but being aware of the mechanics can greatly give you an advantage in life. I'm not going to say like, oh yeah, we got to drop an anarchy and this and that. No, it's good. I like the intersubjective framework, money, safety, the framework. Without it, it would be total chaos. But that doesn't mean that it's real. And being aware of that allows you to put things in context. What it gives you, it gives you an advantage. Instead of just going, studying and going into debt to university, you start wondering, but wait a minute, machine learning is taking over more and more jobs. Big people like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, the guy from Virgin, like, say, we need to find a way to stop people losing their jobs with universal basic income or whatever. The industry says it as well. Maybe going into debt is not the best idea. Maybe everybody in my surroundings saying like, oh, yeah, go to university because that's what they know. It's just like with the Ebola crisis saying like traditions, traditions, hold them true. Reality is going to smack you in the face. If your jobs are being taken away by AI... Ain't nobody in your family or in your environment going to change that. You're going to reap the consequences of what you sow. So thinking for yourself is essential for your own safety. And we tend to just go like, ah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Push it away. But you're going to have to pay the price. We all do. So while I'm talking and just answer one simple question, the thing, how do I join the cult? You want to join my cult? You remove yourself from the cult you are in right now. And you start thinking for yourself. Unplug yourself from the matrix. Start thinking for yourself. Start seeing above the intersubjectivity. Understand that it's not because a lot of people say who, that it is who. If everybody says the earth is flat, doesn't mean the earth is flat. Go back in time. People died for it. People literally died for saying the world is round back in the days. But I'm just saying like, it's not because many people say something that it's true. And we tend to really do that. We tend to really have our opinion not so much shaped by our own critical thinking, but by what the waves, what the masses say. But reality always dictates the waves. It might sometimes take a while for the waves of the intersubjectivity to catch up, but it always happens. Look at ourselves. Back in the days when cell phones came out, people were looking down upon it. You know, when people were calling in the public transportation with a cell phone, everybody was looking at them like, what do they think? Now everybody does it. Selfies. When people started taking selfies, everybody was like, what is this narcissistic rate? Now everybody does it. Facebook, we put all our data just like that. Because technology dictates our culture, dictates the waves. And when you can see through the intersubjectivity, which is just the current state of people's awareness, when you can see through that, that's how you become a visionary. That's how you can start 
playing and knowing what is going to be the next big thing. Because people's awareness, they just go. They go as they flow. But if you understand the reality underneath it, you can take advantage of it, you can make money, you can do whatever. But it requires you to disconnect yourself from the intersubjectivity. I'll give you guys another example. Me. Do you know how much people talk smack about me on the internet? They say stuff that's not even true. But do you know that if times change, right? And I don't know if it's going to happen with me, but it might. People's opinion switches around very quick. It was like Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is literally like a dictator. Has concentration camps. But when he was like talking about peace with Trump, suddenly, you know, they were even talking about the Nobel Prize of Peace. The intersubjectivity is just waves that come and go. And a lot of people that are watching this stream, their life is just being part of these waves. And you almost start rationalizing around it why you even wave the way you wave. And then when it changes, you start coming up with another story. But the reality is that if you understand the underlying mechanics of what brings about the waves, you become in control, you gain control, and you can achieve so much more and fulfill so much more yourself, your safety, your needs, and others than just being part of the hive mind. You guys want me to talk about the flat earth? I can talk about the flat earth. I once talked to a guy that was running a YouTube about flat earth, and he was very perplexed when I talked to him about it because I wasn't arguing whether or not the world was flat. I was talking about the underlying reason why he even goes and preach around that the earth is flat. Because people don't care about whether the earth is flat or round. What people care is about attention. What people care about is to get some response of other people. If you grow up and you've never had any attention at all, nobody even sees you. That's even worse than people saying you're crazy. The idea that you don't even exist is a lot worse than the idea that, you know, people think you're crazy. And that is why people, when they go and they say like flat earth, if you're a kid, you're 13 years old, everybody never talks about you, sometimes have a laugh at you. They don't talk about you, nothing. Suddenly you come and you say like, yeah, I believe in the flat earth. And suddenly everybody talks about you. They say how crazy you are. Girls come to you, say like, hey, how can you believe that, this and that? I mean, you get fed so much attention that you were thriving for. And of course, you're going to keep saying like, oh, the earth is flat, the earth is flat. Part of you knows that's bullshit, but you don't care. You get all the attention. It's almost like a mean to the end. And I even mentioned that to that guy. I explained it and he couldn't say anything because it's true. He knows it's true. Why do people even get interviewed? When you go to these flat earth conferences, there is media all over the place. They interview you. You're suddenly relevant. Even though you're preaching something crazy, you're relevant. You feel that you exist, which is better than just fading away in non-existence. And that is flat earth in a nutshell. Crazy enough, it figures out two purposes. This is the purpose from the perspective of a flat earther. Now the perspective of people that are bashing flat earthers makes you feel better about yourself. It's like, man, 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 this guy believes in flat earth. How crazy can he be? So there's like a, a synergy going on. On one end, people get attention. And on the other end, the guy feels better about himself because he's not that crazy. Can you read two long messages I keep posting? Can you talk about the grand scheme of it all and what the ultimate purpose of existence is if everyone just exists to completely serve one another and have absolutely no time for self-fulfillment? Is it possible to have a balance and feel enjoyment while equally trying to help others despite people suffering at all times where our own comfort should always come second? How far can each person stretch themselves out? Okay, I like that question. First of all, what I want to say is what is the ultimate purpose? We don't know. If you were an ant, do you think you would evolve to a human being after billions of years? 
We don't know what the future holds up. Even the idea of the big freeze, right, where the universe will at one point be fully a max entropy and everything will cease to exist, even that is not fully accurate. We don't know whether we'll be able to harness even time and space. So the idea of the future being a dead end for life itself, that already is not so much my cup of tea because we cannot know. What we can know, though, is what we know from the past and how to move forward. And funnily enough, it is exactly that path that has allowed us to live the life we live now. All this technology around you is because of our understanding of reality. If it wasn't for that, we would still be cavemen. And this is a very small little fraction within the calendar of the Earth. If you put the Earth in a calendar, there's literally within the last second. Entire humanity is the last second in a calendar year. So the future, I don't know what it's going to bring. So the end purpose... The ultimate purpose, it is a question I cannot answer, that nobody can answer, because we can only go about what we have right now and what is most likely to be the case, which is following our evolutionary design, moving forward, understanding reality, aligning ourselves with it. So when you say self-fulfillment or completely serve one another, they don't go one or the other. True self-fulfillment comes from serving the superorganism. It's actually one of the most satisfying things you can do. So making a distinction between one and the other is not so always makes sense. Of course you can say like, oh yeah, but I want to do comfort stuff. And if I don't do comfort stuff and I help kids or whatever, then I don't do comfort stuff. But the thing is, look at me. Every day when I wake up, I see how I can improve the world. I'm having a good life. I'm quite happy. I'm more happy than most people in the chat. I have good friends. I have good relationship. Even my career, you could say, you know, career-wise, I'm doing good. And every day I just think about how I can help others. The question here you got to ask is not so much like whether you have to sacrifice your comfort or not. The question is, if you would be on the other side, if you would be the person on the starving end of the spectrum, and the only hope you would have is someone else on the other side to go slightly out of his comfort zone to save you, how far are you willing to keep your comfort if it goes at the cost of that? I know this is very controversial to say these things and that's why I don't talk about it. But the thing is, it ain't even that bad. Being a good person ain't even that bad. The reason why we think it is bad and hard is because we are emotionally attached to everything we hold important, which isn't important at all. And that's stuff that you start realizing when you lose someone very close to you. When you lose someone very close to you, you realize like nothing that you have is as important as the connection you had with that person. So... When you think about like, oh, Athene, what is the bigger scheme? Do I have to sacrifice myself? No, man. You just got to be and do what is right. And everybody knows that. And it ain't that bad. I mean, there's 40 people here. We're working literally 24-7. 24-7. And we're fulfilled. We're happy. And even if sometimes we have hard times, then what? Still is nothing compared to people starving. We are luxurious and privileged to be in a situation like this. I'm going to give you guys another example. I don't like to talk about this. Because it's very confrontational. And this is the kind of stuff that people get very triggered about. And I'm not saying this to judge you guys at all. I'm just saying this for you guys to reflect on it. That's all. Nazi Germany. 75 years ago. If you would point out a Jew, you would get benefits. They would go to the gas chambers and get killed. If you wouldn't point out a Jew, you would be co-conspirator. And you would get killed yourself as well if you would get catched. That's 75 years ago. If you wanted to do the right thing, right, and help your fellow Jew friend, you would risk your life. And a lot of people died. 
might say like a thing, what does this have to do? I mean, when we look back at Nazi Germany and the atrocities that has happened back in the days, we can sometimes hardly imagine how humanity is capable of doing something like that, let alone ourselves. But when we look at the reality we live in today, not only is there no war, and you don't have to risk your life to save a Jew, you can literally save hundreds, thousands of lives just going slightly out of your comfort zone. And these are things that are very controversial to say, but it is the truth. We are more capable today to save lives than anyone in our ancestors was capable of doing. And yet, what do we do? We decide to complain about our small little problems. And of course, they don't feel small. They feel really big. They feel huge. But if you put perspective and you start realizing that there is no difference between you and these people in Africa starving, if you truly realize that, that there is no difference and you're equal, then if you want to be honest with yourself, truly honest, if you care about it, integrity, you got to do something about it. And that's also something, the reason why I am so dedicated, and I talked about it a lot in previous Real Talks, it's because when I was younger, and this is going to sound really strange, but give yourself room to take yourself, put yourself in my shoes and think about it. What I did was I put myself in the shoes of a clone of me that was in Auschwitz. And I was thinking, me, a clone of me in Auschwitz, would he be able to be more hardcore? Yes or no? Would he be able to push himself more than me? Of course. If he doesn't, he dies. So if a soldier would point a gun at his head and make him do stuff that is right, then that person in Auschwitz, a clone of me, without rights, without freedom, would be a better person than me. I cannot accept that. If a version of me in Auschwitz would be a better person than me, then I deserve to switch place. I truly deserve it. And this thought experiment has really made me always push myself to the limit. But pushing yourself to the limit does not mean you work 24-7. I mean, like, you don't sleep. No, you've got to go about it productively. Of course, inner peace is important. If you constantly stress yourself out, that doesn't work. You just burn out and you break down. So you have a sense of responsibility towards yourself as well. It's not just about contributing to the world. It's also you as an entity. You also need to make sure that you are stable. Like a cell in the body also need nutrition in order to function. You need to be functional. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.